Hello, and welcome to Ticket to Game Hedge, the podcast that discusses the science of how to get your friends and family to like our favorite band, Fish. We'll share stories from the community on how people discovered Fish and what makes this band so damn special. So join us as we stamp your ticket to Game Hedge. My name is Adam, and joining me as always is my great friend, Kresha. Hey now. All right, we're off and running. Another episode of Ticket to Game Henge, the podcast. <laughs> I love that. Every week, the fist bump, the podcast where we uh, discuss the science of, of influencing your friends and family to love our favorite band, Fish, just like us. So uh, a few discussion points this week. So one of the things that we've talked about in the past is what the typical Fish fan is and, and I guess identifying p- potential people that we think could like fish. So I've gone back and I've re-listened to the um, Long May They Run podcast, which yep. came out last summer. So uh, I re-listened to it with a different pr- perspective, just a lot more knowledge about the band. It was definitely interesting. And in episode eight, there was a really, really good quote that I heard. And I think we can talk about for a little bit. And then the quote's from Ari Fink. He's the, you probably know the name, Ari Fink, no? He does the serious radio stuff, right? That's right. Yeah. So he's the program director at Sirius Fish Radio. So he said this, I'll read it to you. Uh, A fish fan can bounce from bluegrass to Frank Zappa to fusion in one 20 minute span, and then maybe land on some obscure indie rock just to cleanse the palate. I mean, that's very, that's a very specific individual who understands that genres don't matter and boundaries are completely fabricated and that all these things are social conventions that mean nothing. Ultimately, and the only thing you truly love is the music that resonates within you, right? So, so I know like we've been we've been trying to kind of think about what that what that looks like, and we've talked about you know it's got to be somebody that's into music, it's got to be somebody that's open minded, it's got to be somebody probably that is into different genres of music, right? Because when you listen to one of those shows, you hear it all, right? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, other than like the stereo, you know, like the joke stereotypes, you got to be a white guy you know, that, that, that type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, yeah, man, I think that's true about everything though. I think really at the end of the day, like you like what you like and you know, I, I'm trying to digest cause it's good. I like the quote, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I don't know, man. I'm when it comes to music specifically, I, cause I love it so much. I'm mm-hmm. super weirded out by people who don't like music, who are like neutral. Listen to this. Ah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Right. It's because I mean, because it it almost makes you wonder if, um, you know, how well music is used in film to really draw emotion, to to put you in the moment, to make you sad, to make you happy. It almost makes you wonder if people like that don't react to music in film the same way. Do you know what I mean? Like you would think that because, because music is something that is there from the time that we're children, you know, there's nursery rhymes in school. There's something that's constantly put in there and you wonder how somebody gets, gets to that point where they just don't really care. They don't really, you know, like my dad, he would, he would be in the car with the radio off. He would choose to listen to nothing rather than listen to music in the car. He drove from London, Ontario to St. John's Newfoundland, which is like two and a half days with the, and back with the radio off the entire time. I know. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I don't get it. Maybe we'll have to have somebody on here who doesn't like me. Well, I mean, I mean, so look, <laughs> like the data that we have, right? Because you have to, you have to like music to like fish. That's like a, a prerequisite or like, you know, to, to have a band that I mean, you know, and, and fish is a lot of things, but one thing that you can't, 
disagree with is that the music matters the most, right? Like mm -hmm. in every interview, when the music comes up, you can just see the passion come out of the boys. Yeah. It's clearly all about the music and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, right? it trumps you, everything else. A hundred percent. But you can't like, you can't like the band if you don't like music. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think you have to be open to different things. And I would say, I don't know, maybe we can discuss this. When I think back to when I was really starting to get back into fish, um, there was certain, I, I guess I would call them genres, the, the more um, country type songs, more bluegrass type songs. They took a little bit of while to grow on me. They didn't, they didn't resonate with me right away, um, mainly because I never really listened to that genre of music. I've always kind of dismiss country and that's a whole other thing but i kind of came around to it and now i don't necessarily distinguish them as bluegrass or country or whatever it, it just it just sounds like a fish song to me now that's interesting you I, know like it, it does have a unique feeling like I, I mean you can almost group together things songs like antelope and runaway jam and, and possum and they have a kind of like a giddy up hoedown kind of a feel to them Yet, but they don't feel that same way now after listening to those songs 30, 40, 50 times as they did the first few times I was really starting to get into them. Yeah, but it's, I think we're starting to cross over a little bit into, you know, one of the things that makes every great band great is that they have a, a unique thing to say, you know, and they leave their stamp. Like, you know, try to think of like, and I, I've done this experiment before, but I really can't think of one like all-time band that hasn't done something different and left a mark, at least in that genre of music. Okay. Right? Like, for example, I was listening to, because again, I'm, I'm struggling to, to, I'm not struggling to listen to jazz, but I understand the importance of jazz if I'm going to be a good guitar player. Okay. Yeah, so sure. I was listening to, you know, when, when Miles Davis, I was listening to this guy talk about when Miles Davis was recording, um, can't remember the name of the album. It's kind of blue, so like the early bebop era, like in the in the fifties, you know. And he like pushed to make like you know how when you're learning the thing like the C major scale is like kind of like the scale that you learn from. Okay. Miles was like, "That's all wrong. It should be you know F uh, F uh, F mix or uh, F Lydian." Like it's just crazy to think, right? That like. This guy, this man has changed music so much at such a fundamental level. Like you can't hear any modern song and not pay homage, you know, to Miles Davis and what he did. Right. And then of course, as time goes by, like less people change it at that fundamental level, but let's be clear, like Fish has changed a lot of stuff at a, at a fundamental level. And even if you don't understand any of that stuff, it always sounds like Fish, right? So it's not, crazy right. to think that it you know like even when they do like psycho killer or you know you asked about the cover songs every cover song still sounds like fish which is pretty cool yeah i was just about to say that that's a perfect segue into um top three that i posted recently and it was a top three covers and and i would say compared to the other top threes i posted i had sort of the widest response in terms of song list started writing them down here and then started scoring how many of each and I'm up to one, two, three, four, I'd say about 16, 17 songs. Many of these were mentioned multiple times. And I think if I were to repost that we'd get even more, you know, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's evident to me that as soon as it starts, although, although they're covering somebody else, it's clearly fish. Um, so what, so what were your top three? Oh, Jesus. I think originally you joked around. You said Shine and Tub Thumping, which was an homage to Hampton Comes Alive, right? Because well, they're, they're both on there. I was listening to... Was, oh, was, no, that's not true. Shine is on New Year's 95. 
that's what I was just going to bring that up. I was listening to that show uh, because somebody was saying like, this is the best Reba ever. I'm like, okay, well, you know, let's hear what the best Reba ever is. Um, so I would say Reba's always outstanding. It's one of those songs that, that gets filed under the, this is the greatest song ever written <laughs> while you're hearing the song, right? So here you yeah. But uh, they were joking about, you know, being in the time hedge or in the game hedge time factory and they're making time because we don't want it to be 1994 forever. Imagine how awful that would be. And they bust out shine. And I'm like, oh man, that's just full of for, for collective soul. So I had to, I joked. I think I put Moon Age Daydream was one of them. It was, yeah. Um, I think you did good times, bad times. Good times, bad times. And I probably did another Zeppelin one because I love when they play the Zeppelin one. Yeah, I'm not I didn't, sure. I didn't put Psycho Killer. I wish I would have put Psycho Killer. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that response. Um, and that person even spoke, um, uh, posted specific dates of the covers that they liked with a good explanation, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, any guesses on the top uh, vote getter on the number one? It was cross close between Crossside and Painless. That was actually number two. Yeah. Num number one, 2001. Yeah, okay. I think it's okay. a big surprise. Um, I was the only one who voted for... By, I'm not so sorry to interrupt. I'm not surprised by Cross-Eyed and Painless. It is different every time, and the jams can really get out there. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, really surprised that I didn't see any responses for No Quarter, which, in hindsight, I maybe should have should have put down. I love, I love when Paige does that. We are talking about Paige last time. And How long have they been playing that one for? Not very long. I think three years, four years. Yeah, like I wanted to put, I just listened to the one they released where they did like Jane's Addiction. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, so that was top of my, what was the least, what, like what one had like one vote? They were um, down. Uh, so one that only had one vote, technically was Psycho Killer, but then you responded on it. Um, Torn and Frayed only had one. Uh -huh. um, you Sexy Thing. Which uh -huh. is fairly recent. You Zurich thing. You uh, and Funky Bitch actually had uh, two. You know what? Funky Bitch is one of those ones that it is. Uh, you know, even Boogie on Reggae Woman. It sounds so fish that I don't think most people even know that it's a cover song. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know that y Yamar was a cover. Who wrote that? Yamar. Um, I think it. Uh, that's a good question. I'll have to look that one up. Some of, some of them were pretty funny. Um, uh, there was somebody that posted, I think they put on a sand first tube and another one that were technically tab songs. And then somebody put uh, Kazvat Box songs too, right? And they're covering Kazvat Box, which I thought was really clever. Actually, Say It To Be Santos was uh, voted on three times. It's a good song, man. Yeah. I'll have to look up again um, what Santos stands for. The answer is out there. And it's something like space aeronautical, something, something like they're part of, part of this team that's working on in air, in Antarctica. They're working on this space project. Um, wow. That's why uh, like off to work we go. Yeah. Yeah. Santos, I guess that was a really big mystery coming out of the Halloween show is like, what does Santos mean? What does it stand for? And the community was all abuzz trying to, trying to guess it. And then Tom Marshall finally put it out there. So. Um, know that it's an acronym first, right? Yeah. Yeah, like I here's thought, a. I just thought it was a dude named Santos, and it is in fact an acronym and not an initialism. Oftentimes, people get the two confused. Do you know the difference between an acronym and initialism? So, uh, an acronym is when you say it as its own word. So NASA, yes. you don't say you don't say NASA. You say NASA. So that's yeah. an acronym versus FBI. 
is an initialism. Aha, you learn something every day. There you go. It's your English lesson for the week. Um, um, cool. Let's jump gears a little bit and kind of preview uh, uh, Mike and uh, Leo's upcoming album. So it drops this Saturday, August 28th, album called Noon. Um, Leo, Leo Kotke, to be specific. I think that's how you say it, Kotke. Yeah. yeah. So I'll be honest, his work I'm not that familiar with. Um, and as soon as I listened to I Am Random, uh, which I thought was a really cool, cool, cool tune, I immediately heard Tim, Tim Reynolds that plays with Dave all the time. So I go and do some searching on Tim Reynolds' background and guess who was a big influence on Tim Reynolds? Leo Kaki. So it, it, it kind of stands to, to resonate. Very, a very similar style. Um, what were your first thoughts of I Am Random? So I Am Random, I have not heard. Here's a funny story. Okay. I Am Random. So most of these songs get put on um, when I'm around the house. Right. Right. So I, I'll try to put them on Alexa. My children have not let me hear either one of these songs. I haven't even, I haven't even made dance marching. I've just heard like the intro bit. Okay. And then Vetti needs to hear Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne. So away we go. So Jim gets ruined, so I don't know much. I like what I've heard. I just haven't heard much yet. Yeah, cool. Yeah, the, so the two songs, I Am I'm Random and Ants. Uh, uh, Ants is just an instrumental tune, but it's great. Sound, it sounds awesome. Um, uh, and I wrote down the chorus of I am, I am random because I thought it was some pretty clever writing. So it goes, um, I am random, said a couple things and you can't understand them. I am random, people cutting deals and they're never gonna land them. I am random, I can't always get a handle. I am random. That's it. I like it. I thought it's cool. It definitely sounds like a Mike Gordon song. Yeah. And there's a little, um, at the end of the first chorus, there's this little part and this random thing, literally random, jumps into the song like this weird background noise and you think like, what's going on? And then the song starts again and then Fishman is in there goofing around in the middle of it, just talking over it about something. I've only heard it a few times, but yeah, it, it definitely piqued my interest and um, just you can hear how skilled the playing is and how it's pretty raw. Like you can hear them shifting in their stools and seats and you can hear, you know, it's done in, done in single takes. Um, yeah. It wasn't uh, super, super polished, but it sounds good. So I'm really excited to hear it and really get into it. Um, what's your, uh, what do you like to listen to better? Do you like polished or do you like raw or like, or what's your opinion and where are you, where do you stand on that? I don't, that's something I haven't really given a ton of thought to. I think, um, I don't mind mistakes that are in there if they're good sounding mistakes, yeah. right? Like I, um, and I'm hearing a lot of, I wouldn't, I guess I would call them mistakes. I'm, I'm going back to the beginning of the 2009 tour when Fish is really getting back into it. You can hear some changes aren't as crisp and clean and, you know, they miss a chord here and there. Um, doesn't bother me at all. I think, I really don't have a preference. I think it's really fun kind of to go from one to the other. So I listen to mostly live live fish and you know the crowd noise is filtered into it so it doesn't sound as polished. So then when you switch over to something that's in the studio and it's super clean, right? And it's super um, crisp, I guess you could say, it resonates with me. Like there's like, it's sort of, it gets me feeling a certain way, I guess. I'm having a tough time articulating it, but I don't really have a preference. Um, um, but overall, I, I, I listen to more live music than anything else. Kind of always have. Yeah. I, think it depends on, I think it depends on the genre. 
you know, yeah. like I, yeah. I, uh, I, I, I think I would have to favor live, but I don't know, man, for like metal and like punk music, it's gotta be precise, you know, cause mm. they, you just can't afford to be sloppy if you're, if you're playing that fast, you know, and, and every, you know, every, it's really like 200 beats per minute. Gotta be hitting those. It's going to sound pretty muddy very quick. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I agree. Um, you know, I think there's certain bands that, um, sound great on record but then don't sound great live um you, you can hear there's a difference like there's a lot of work that was put into the studio and then you wonder was it the producer was it the engineering that really made that happen how much of it was the band right they just can't reproduce the same thing live or it's so layered there's so much going on in the studio they just can't do it so yeah it depends right like i i like that you know i i i would you know i would hate to be i would hate to have to play the same notes every single night that would be like musicianship suicides mm -hmm. but but most bands do it i know right i get it they want, you know and it. is it and is it because it's just i've i've always said well not always but when i hear the term I, it's always resonated with me that when somebody or some group or whatever is really really great at something they make it look easy sure right and i think that's true of comics it's true of people and doing certain like right you watch trey play the guitar and he makes it look easy i can't do that i know that um um but where i was going with it is that you know i think fish maybe lures me into the sense of like well why can't every band just rotate amongst 200 songs and change it up every night it must be a really difficult thing to do if most bands just don't do it I don't know, man. I think you're right. It is, a fatigue, of course. Like, it's not, first of all, it's not just like 200 songs with like one or two sections. It's like 200 songs were like, you know, yeah. the middle section, right? And yeah. you're like, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. They don't have like four, four time, basically four oh, songs. Wait, right? But also, yeah. I mean, so an interesting story is, uh, is I, I was listening to an interview with, uh, with Fat Mike. They were asked from NoFX. And they were asking him about uh, just about like live performances and touring with uh, the Ramones. And he's like, at the end of their career, he's like, I was on stage. We were on after the Ramones at some festival. I think the story goes. And he's like, I found the sheet that Joey Ramone had with the song. He like literally had to write the name of the city that they were in. <laughs> yeah. And like all the songs were like, they would start. And then when they were done, they were off. So like right. love of the music just was not there right yeah just doing it to get through it it reminds me of a time when i was a facilitator and i had to do i had to facilitate curriculum and there was a stretch of seven or eight weekends in a row we would do it friday night all day saturday all day sunday and it was the same thing every week and about three four weeks into it i did, like i was going numb and i was reading from the same content i was trying to change it up and do my own thing but it was just repetitive so but i don't know maybe that maybe to feed off the audience that could change it up every night um, obviously fish uses that right yeah um so let's say we can talk a little bit about the dead so we brought up the dead here and here and there you're 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 a big fan of the dead you've seen saw them last summer how many times have you seen any version of the dead just, one, just once just right? one time okay so, um, right i was a i was a kid right like 91 i would have been uh i would have been like, i would have been like 11 12 years old yeah right and my parents were like the dead were you gonna see a bunch of zombies like they didn't they didn't get it right what was it that got you into the dead like what what started it oh shit what a question 
that's taking me way back. I think I must have heard that somebody's house. It was probably one of like, um, no, I remember. I remember. Okay. Uh, again, it was Jeff Martin got me into a lot of music, man. We went, uh, we were going to Westmount Mall, and this okay. one kid in high school, Phil Henderson, uh, was going on and on and on about this song called Droopy's Diamond Blues okay. by Grateful Dead. Right. So I'm going to mispronounce the album, but that's on the second Dead Studio album, Aoksamoktoa uh, or something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's the one that you spell, you can spell it um, both forward and backward, and it's the same word. That's, that's called a, um, an ambigram. No, not an ambigram. I don't know what it's called. I just know today is English lesson day on the podcast. In music, it's called a palindrome. Or maybe it's a palindrome in, in language, too. Anyways. Okay. So the first song on that, uh, on that album was uh, St. Stephen, which is like an all-time dead song. Okay. And Droopies came on after, which was outstanding. Like the whole album was just cr- like crushingly awesome. And it was quite a drive. So I got to hear most of the album. And then, uh, and then I heard Casey Jones and Uncle John's band after that. And I was like, man, this band is awesome. Hmm. You know, and the more, and the more content, and here's the part that sucks, right? Is nobody told me, like, and I didn't even know until later for Fish, nobody told me you're supposed to listen to Grateful Dead shows, not albums. Mm. Mm. Right? But when you're, I'm like, collecting. But when you're, albums. yeah, but when you're 11 or 12, uh, even 13, 14, and, and we're talking early mid 90s now, how accessible were live shows? Like, where could you, could you just go to the like record store and buy live albums? I guess they probably had a few, but. Dick's Picks, like, Dick's Picks yeah. was around. Yeah. Uh, they were just really expensive. So, I mean, even if I did know, I don't know if I was like willing to shell out, um, you know, 40 bucks for a double CD of songs that I've already heard before. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, were you already playing the guitar when you started to like the dead or? I started playing guitar when I was in grade seven or eight. So, okay. Yeah, Yes. And what started that? Was it like, guitar? what made you want to play the guitar? Yeah. Rock music, man. I got into Guns N' Roses. Okay. It was the, it was the You Could Be Mine video with Guns N' Roses from Terminator 2. Right. I just saw Slash standing there with like that. And I was like, fuck, I got to be, I, I, I want to do that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Did see equivalent to have like the poster up in your room. Yeah. Guns oh, N' Roses that's... and then Zeppelin and then all that stuff started, right? And then it was just the Cascade. Right. So when I think about the comparisons that people bring uh, with Fish to the Grateful Dead, um, from my knowledge of it, it's the live touring, it's the jamming, the fan base is very similar in that they're passionate. They go to see multiple shows because every show is different. Um, you know, almost like a traveling circus, I guess, if you will. They were, from what I understand, they were trailblazers and pioneers in how they did things, how they how they toured, how they how how they controlled their rights and the and uh, tickets, which was a precedent that Fish was able to continue with by getting half of half of tickets for their for their fans. What else is there? Because I think musically they're fairly fairly different. I don't think the Dead songs are as complex or eclectic as Fish. Am, am I right about that? They're, I think I think musically they're very different. You know, as somebody a Mar guitar best quote ever. He's like Grateful Dead fans are the only fans that can rock out to a song in like thirty beats per minute, like. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? That's awesome. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, again, I'm far from an expert here. So like, this is probably way out. So if anyone listening, you know, can comment, that would be great. We'd love to hear. But as far as I'm, as far as I know, um, I think those are the the main differences because musically, it's not even close. Like they're not even in the same ballpark. And I don't even mean for like musicianship or whatever, because they're all excellent, right? It's just what you prefer. But in terms of like musically, like in terms of jam structure, the type, you know, all that stuff, that's all fish. Uh, okay. You know, but yes, controlling, I think the recording of the shows, you know, the, the value taping. of the, yeah, the taping, thank you. The value of the live performance over the studio album, um, controlling the, um, uh, the tickets, mm. you know, I think that's all, all stuff that it that got inherited from the dead. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and how much has the band changed since Jerry died? Like, was it, and I guess another question, because I don't really know how much did the lineup change up until he died? Like, was it the same, the same group and then a bunch of changes after? Cause I know there's been a lot of players come and go in and out. So I'm not sure to be honest. And this is going to be, and this is going to be absolute blasphemy for anyone, you know, that, that loves the dead, like passionately <laughs> past like 19 mid eighties. Mm-hmm. I don't love I don't love the music. I don't love listening to Jerry's frail voice withering. Um, mm. You know, I, 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 I don't think, you know, people, you know, I guess 91 was a good year. I haven't listened. I just, I don't love the later studio albums. Like the songs aren't good. Um, you know, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a dead fan, you know, past 86. It's just that they were so awesome before then, then they could have played anything past you know, a certain point, the music was, was just that good. So to answer right. your question, how many people were different, I know they were touring around, they were called the other ones there for a bit. Okay. And, and um, yeah. So I'm on Wikipedia and it has, um, you know, years and labels and it has associated acts. I'll read these. You ready? Yeah. So I'm guessing maybe one member of the band played with them or whatever. And that's why they're associated, but it's a long list. The other yeah. ones, the Dead, Further, Dead and Company, New Riders of the Purple Sage, The Tubes, Ned Lagan, Kingfish, Old and In the Way, Legion of Mary, Jerry Garcia Band, Reconstruction, Bobby and the Midnights, Heart of Gold Band, Go Ahead, Jerry Garcia Acoustic Band, Rat Dog, Missing Man Formation, Phil Lesh and Friends, Rhythm Devils, Donna Jean Good Show Band, BK3, Backbone, Seven Walkers, Billy and the Kids, Bob Dylan, Bruce Hornsby, uh, Jerry Garcia slash David Grisman is listed in there. And then past members, you got Jerry Garcia, Bob Weir, Phil Ash, Bill Kutzman, Mickey Hart, Ron, Ron Pigpen McKernan, Robert Hunter, John Perry Barlow, Tom Constantin, Keith Goodshow, Donna Jean Goodshow, Godshow rather, uh, Brent Midland, and Vince Wellnick. Does that sound about right? Yep. <laughs> wow. Wow, but crazy. Like you've left, you know, like I think if you had to pick a band that was – you know, America's band, I think you'd have to pick the Grateful Dead. Mm. You know, I think they symbolized, um, you know, the Eagles, eh? Because I think a lot of people would pick the Eagles. No, I I think people who don't like the Grateful Dead would pick the Eagles. I think if we were being objective about this, you would have to pick the Grateful Dead. I don't think any American band has left quite the legacy. Do you think like, Mm. dude, look at some of those pictures from like the late 90s. Like these guys are getting people to show up like in football stadiums where all the seats and all of the traffic on right. the stadium is sold out. Yeah. It's incredible. Mm. You know, and mm. they just had, they were the first band that had 
you know, what could be construed as, you know, American values. So like, you know, to, to, to say they're not, to say they're not excellent. That's what I mean. Like, who cares if, this is going back to my point, who cares if after 96, in my opinion, they were stinkers. They could have done whatever they wanted. Right. They could have went out and played the same note with the same beat for two and a half hours. It wouldn't have mattered by that point. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So for a guy like me, so the only album that I really know uh, by them is American Beauty. But you just said that you don't, you, you, you listen to The Grateful Dead Live and similar to, to Fish, I would think we would give a new Fish fan that advice. Where should I start? Like, is there, is there an album or a live album that you can think of as a good place for me to go? Yeah, so Cornell 77, I think, is like the... I just saw yeah. that listed. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's like the grail, right? That would be like, you know, Big Cypress, depending on who you ask. You know, and, and the, reason that, the reason that that's the grail is because... So my favorite period is the early 70s. So I really like the, the Europe 72, that whole tour that they did. Just because the, the, the sound is really raw, it sounds really, it just sounds awesome, right? But you can argue that uh, some of the better songs were written in the mid to late 70s and they started making their rounds around like the late 70s, right? So what I would do is I would, um, I would start by decade, right? So I would listen to a show from the 60s, then I would listen to a show from the early 70s, then the mid 70s, then the late uh, 70s, then, you know, the, the early to mid 80s. Um, okay. And, you know, and I would just go by that and anything that um, I would, I would just ask, you know, for like what shows people like the best and anyone that comes up multiple times, I would start there and listen to it. And then yep. the sound, because the sound varies from year to year. It's actually crazy. More mm. so fish, right? Like you can hear differences in fish from like, you know, couple of years to couple of years but with the dead in my opinion anyways like the sound changes every tour like dramatically partly because they had so many musicians yeah <laughs> yeah i would imagine so yeah you get you get you get different keyboardists on there that's for sure that's it right and then jerry's health is waning so that's always you know part of it and uh yeah I, whatever interests you i would just spend more time exploring in, in that genre first yeah cool i'll definitely start tonight on my long drive home uh yeah i'm looking forward to that because uh yeah, I mean, I mean, millions of people can't be wrong, right? And I, I'll be honest, I see yeah. in my in my day to day yeah. life, I see I see more people with Grateful Dead shirts and hats and um, uh, bumper stickers of Jerry Bears than I see a fish, right? Look, but the music's more accessible, right? Like yeah. the, the 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 songs are the the changes are are much more what would be normal to you know to what we would expect to hear. Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, Robert Hunter writes beautiful poetry, so it's really hard not to connect really deeply with these songs, so. Okay. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, last question I have for you before you wrap up, what are you listening to from Fish right now? That's a good question. They just uploaded the Game Hen show from Dinner and a Movie. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think I've gone through that one, like, honest to God, like three or four times already since. It's been oh, out. really? Oh, yeah, yeah, just got up a few days ago, too. Wow. It's got some of the best versions of some of the songs that I've ever heard. Like Divided Sky blew my mind. Yeah. When it blows I my mind every time, but yeah. Oh, I was like, Jesus. Yeah. So what's better, that or Clifford Ball Divided Sky? Clifford Ball Divided Sky is pretty, pretty great. I think, um, so there's a difference between my favorite and what's better. I think that that one's better. Mm. Uh, Clifford Ball's my favorite. Mm. Why? Just because of where I was and what it reminds me of and having the video. Mm -hmm. 
right? Like they, they didn't play it as the sun was setting for no reason. Of course. At the Clifford Ball, right? They're not dumb, these guys. <laughs> they, don't create, they don't create moments. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty neat. And that's one of the things, I guess, we're going to bookend this. Um, I kind of opened up uh, talking about that podcast, that series, the 10-parter, Long May They Run, and re-listening to that again. The amount of effort they put into into it not being just a typical live show and for it to be different and to and to push the boundaries and just the way the conversations go in the room and the brainstorming and where the ideas spurn from it's it's pretty awesome you know and they could be clearly care about the fans experience that it isn't just about like it's about the music you brought that up first and foremost but a lot of the other things and the interaction with the fans and the going back and forth is, is, uh, is what makes it right. So um, even, even like within the music, so there's two things, even within the music, it's never been about um, it's always been about the energy, you know, and, and managing like the experience for the audience through the music. And the second thing that I love about the Clifford ball is before they walk out on the first night, just to look on their faces to see all these people there, you know, like trays like yeah. Like if you could caption it, it'd be like, holy fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a pretty, pretty interesting validating moment. Right. Especially considering how they were doing it. They weren't on MTV. They, they weren't on the they radio. They, yeah. And they made that happen. It's amazing. Just amazing. All right, sir. Well, I think that wraps up another week. You've been listening to Ticket to Game Hedge. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. It helps us a lot. You can also follow us on YouTube and Instagram. Thank you for listening, and stay safe.